Turn to 2 Kings chapter 23, 2 Kings chapter 23, and verse number 25. And then we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 1 through 5. 2 Chronicles 34, 1 through 5. As you turn to 2 Kings chapter 23, verse number 25, let's all stand as we honor the word of God and read a few verses out of the Bible. <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 23, verse number 25. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. Speaking about Josiah here. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Starting with verse number one. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in the ways of David his father. And declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign while he was yet young. He began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in the presence and in the images that were on the high above them. He cut down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces and made dust of them, and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priest upon their altars, and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. I'd say he was pretty serious about serving the Lord. How about you? It's a great portion of scripture here. And as we look at Second Kings chapter 23 and verse number 25, we can see this portion of scripture declares Josiah as the best king. You know what? Wouldn't it be great if you could be called the best Christian? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a whole bunch of people here at Community Baptist Church and we say, you know, I just can't figure out which is the best, but they're all really good Christians. As we look at this, Josiah was uh, uh, all on all accounts the most successful of the Judean kings. What made him so successful? Well, we learned that Josiah uh, was a man who trusted God and obeyed God's word. He not only obeyed God's word, but he honored God in the Passover. Two things very, very uh, pointed in this portion of scripture. He obeyed the word of God and he observed the Passover. And he made the temple again a key place to worship God. As we look at this, he was a successful king. He was a successful child of God. His commendation wasn't because of his administrative abilities, although he had them, but his spiritual aptitude and actions. They showed forth that he was the very best king that the Judeans had ever had. Father, I pray now that you'd bless your word. And Father, I pray today that we would glean something from your word today. I pray, dear God, you would give me clarity of mind and speech. And Father, I'd be able to relay the message that you've given to me in my heart to these good folks who have gathered here today, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
As you look at this portion of scripture, a couple of things I'd like you to notice is, first of all, he started reigning at eight years old. You know, uh, this is pretty interesting, Parker. You'll like this. When a person was 12 years old, they were considered to be a man. And uh, yeah, that's right. And we see eight years after he started reigning at eight years of age, at 16, now think about that for a second, at 16 years of age, he started uh, really uh, adhering to the word of God and understanding truth about God's word. And he started following the Davidic, uh, uh, the David and David's God. It was very important for him to recognize that in his life. And then at the age of 22, he became a reformer. And uh, he was quite the reformer. He was burning down the groves and, and uh, uh, making sure that all those priests who had uh, brought paganism into Christianity, or at that time uh, following God, uh, they were destroyed. And all of those images and carved images were all destroyed. And uh, he uh, started uh, the entire kingdom. He, he had this uh, reformation The entire kingdom would start serving God again. Everybody started serving the Lord. Everybody started recognizing that they needed to honor God with their lives. Another great point about Josiah is this, especially for the young people in here today. And that is that uh, this is a great illustration for you as a young person. You don't have to wait to get old, become old to start serving God. You can start serving God right now. And we believe in that, you know. When I came, became pastor of this church, uh, one of the first people I hired uh, back in the day was Pastor Hal. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, we, we couldn't afford him, but we hired him because I believe that young people need to be involved in the Word of God and need to be taught the Word of God. One of our best ministries here is our youth ministry and how we praise the Lord for our youth ministry and Pastor Jeff and Michelle. And we thank the Lord that they're teaching the Word of God continually. Of course, we have Pastor Dan and Katrina right now back in our children's church program with those eight-year-olds and uh, how we praise the Lord for them. But in our Christian school program, I believe in training young people for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to pay attention. Eight years old, 16 years old, 22 years old. Hey, listen, uh, you young people, you are our hope for the next generation. Uh, one genera- we're one generation of, of not having what we have. And we can see that here in Josiah. You know, Josiah, the word of God had been hidden for a long time, and then they found it in the temple. How could that happen? Then they found the the word of Moses, or they found the words of Moses, and uh, then they also found uh, the, uh, uh, the, and back then, they didn't have Bibles like we have Bibles today. It wasn't common, but they found the word. How could the word be hidden for a whole generation? How could it happen? Well, there was a casualness about passing that word on. And that was a sad, sad commentary on that day. You don't have to wait till you're old to get serious about living uh, for your God, about loving your God, serving your God. His success was a direct result of his obedience to the word of God. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 23, verse number 25. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. That portion of scripture gives us that truth. 
the phrase, according to all the law of Moses. Do you catch that? That's the word. That's the word of God that they had. If you go down uh, back to verse 16, notice again, according to the word of the Lord, which the man, uh, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. He listened to the preachers. He listened to the priests as it was being read. Uh, so again, the word of God. Verse number 21, notice, uh, again, as it is written in the book of the covenant. Notice again, verse 24, that he might perform the words of the law. The emphasis again is on the word of God and his obedience to the word of God. Then the second Chronicles chapter 34, if you turn back there, in verses 14 through 16, some of the priests found the book of the law of the Lord and took it to Josiah. And Josiah said, all that was committed to thy servants, they do it. He says, all right, we found the word, let's do it. Let's get involved in it. And then in verse number 19, we can see again uh, that uh, he was serious about obeying the word of God. While many were trying to mix uh, theology with paganism, godly worship with Baal, uh, religious ceremony with uh, wicked practices, Josiah did right in the eyes of God and he obeyed the word of God. And as a result of that, he was a man that God blessed, and he was the best Judean king that Judea ever knew. That Judah ever knew. Uh, I love Psalm 100. Excuse me. Let's go to Psalm one first. Psalm one. I love Psalm one. Clint loves Psalm one. It's a portion of scripture he quotes quite often. I hear him quote it in his room. Psalm chapter one. <clears throat> Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night. And he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Why was this Psalm one man righteous? Because he was in the word of God. Why was Josiah righteous? Because he was in the word of God and he obeyed the word of God. Josiah did right. He obeyed the word. How about you? Are you obeying the word? Are you in the word? Is the word of God able to help you in your righteous living? There are so many folks that say, man, I just need help in my life. Well, you can get help in your life by getting into the word of God, by reading the word of God, by studying the word of God. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, take your Bibles and turn there, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's encouraging Timothy uh, to do right, to stand strong. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we see in verse number 14, he says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and had been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures that are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine. That's for teaching, for reproof. That's for correction, 
for the correction, for instruction in righteousness. Again, do you see how righteousness gave, are you following this, how righteousness and the word of God go together? God's word, obeying God's word, helps you become more righteous. Righteous, what do you mean? Living right before God. He He knew he was under God's observation. We know that we're under God's observation. And as we finish that, he says, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Young Timothy, young Timothy, continue thou the things that you have learned. Josiah, he continued to learn the word of God. Josiah would be able to change an entire nation because of his obedience to the word of God. The Bible is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is powerful. We need to understand that, how powerful it is. We won't know the ways of God, nor the will of God, nor, nor we know how to do the work of God without the word of God. And it's so very important. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. His obedience followed a pattern. I want you to see this pattern. He followed it. How? In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, take your Bibles and turn back there. 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and verses number 19. 2 Chronicles 34 and verse number 19. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes. As we look at this portion of scripture, we can see that um, the word of God caused him to recognize those things that were in his life that shouldn't have been in his life. And so he repented of those things. Um, the reason some of you are going through a rough time is because you've not been in the word of God enough to recognize that some of the things you're doing are not honoring and glorifying to the Lord. Matter of fact, the society around you has said, oh, it's all right to live like that. You're living a good, clean life. But are you clean before God? That's the, that's the key. Are you clean before God? He found the word of God. He followed the word of God, and he allowed the word of God to fully impress him to the point where he recognized personal sin. He recognized the public sins also. That's why we see, and we'll look at this a little bit later, how he had everybody, and he said to them, just do it, just do it. Just follow the word of God, just do it. He drew closer to God, and God drew closer closer to him. As a result of that, he was a man that God could use, and God could declare in his word. There was none like him. There was none like him. He didn't move from the right to the left. I mean, he stayed right where he needed to stay. You know, as we look at um, uh, the sad footnotes in Jeremiah chapters 20. Two and 23. I, I, I guess you should say this is a footnote that we ought to look at, and that is that Josiah's son, Jehoiakim, uh, did not obey God's words and warnings. Uh, and we see that. I mean, you know, you, you, you try your hardest, you try to work hard at training your children, and the Bible tells us to train up a child in ways you go when he's old and not depart from it. We don't see Josiah spending the time with his Jehoiakim and I'm not sure why, but uh, Jehoiakim, his prosperity always took a higher priority than his obedience to the word of God and his relationship with God. 
If you and I ever find ourselves in a comfortable situation where you don't have time to read or to pass on the word of God, we will forfeit great blessing. And we may forfeit our children and our grandchildren. Uh, Ask yourself, what's more important to you, the comforts of my earthly kingdom or my close relationship with the eternal God? How many times have I said it? We're not here to make a living. We're here to live for God. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Let your kids know that every day. Let your children know that every day. My wife, when the boys will come, and she'll ask the, our, our children that are here. We have three grandchildren here, but we have two up at Prudenville, uh, Jackson and Will. And Kathy, almost every time they come, she asks them, what's the most important thing in life? And she wants to hear to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul. That's the most important thing. His obedience to the word. His obedience to the word caused him to be blessed by God. How many could use a blessing from God, huh? I want to be blessed with God. I want to be helped by God. I'm sorry for some of you who couldn't raise your hand and want to be blessed by God. But I tell you, it's a good thing to be blessed by God. Maybe you just had so many sparklers this week, you can't lift your hand up. Or maybe you're like me, you ate too many burgers this week. But whatever. It's an important thing recognize how important the word of God is today 21st century Christianity there's not a hungering and a thirsting for the word of God we have so much we're full on so many other things there's not a hungering and thirsting for the word of God There's not hunger and thirsting to get to church. Well, if you were in Josiah's day, it didn't didn't matter what you were doing on Sunday at 10 o'clock, you were going to be in Sunday school. Just do it. The king said, just do it. Just do it. I'm not sure if they had Sunday school back then. In the Antarctica summer of 1908 to 1909, Remember that, Gerald? It's got passed quickly. It was fast. Sir Ernest Shackleton and his three companions attempted to travel to the South Pole from their winter quarters. They set out with four ponies to help them carry the load. Weeks, weeks, weeks later, their ponies dead. Rations all but exhausted, they turned back toward the base. Their goal not accomplished altogether, they tracked 127 days. On the return journey, Shackleton records in his book, The Heart of the Antarctica, the time was spent talking about food. Huh? Elaborate feasts. Gourmet meals, delicious menus. They talked about all the different kinds of food they could think of. How many are hungry right now? Yeah. Yeah. As they staggered along, 
suffering from dysentery, not knowing whether they would survive. Every waking hour was occupied with the thoughts of eating food. Huh? Jesus, who also knew the ravages of food, deprivation, remember 40 days, said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We can understand Shackleton's obsession with food, which offers a glimpse of the passion Jesus intends for us in the quest for righteousness. Follow it, if you would, please. There's a hungering that needs to be there for us to be righteous. A hungering for the word of God. The obedience to the word, that's what made him successful. But what else was a point of his success? It was his righteous walk. It was the fact that he was righteously walking. He was living for God. See, Josiah made a decision to do right. He recognized God was watching him. He was under God's observation. Possessions, peer pressure, popularity, palace protocol were all elements that could have caused him to leave that position of wanting to be blessed by God. But no, sir, he would not have it. I'm going to obey the word of God. I'm going to walk righteously. I want God to see my life, a life that's being lived for him. I love Psalm 139. I know many of you do too. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. <clears throat> o Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. For thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Go back down to verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Boy, that was Josiah. Lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to go that way. I'm going to walk righteous. I'm going to live righteous. Where are the Josiahs today? Where are the young people today that are saying, hey, it's not my plans, but it's God's will that I want for my life. It, it's not, it, it's not uh, the, the, the books of the world, the education of the world. It is the word of God and the wisdom of God. That's what I want today. It's so important. We need some teenagers and some young adults that would step up and say, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. 
I love God. I want to please God. I want to live for God. I want God to see a life that's being lived for him. There was obedience to God's word. And there was a dedication to God's work. Uh, And that was uh, a dedication that we see through uh, uh, through his righteous living. Living God's way. Living righteously. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Come on, everybody turn there. This is such an important portion of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteous with unrighteous? What communion hath light with darkness? Now again, we're getting into exactly what was happening here. We see what was happening at Josiah's day where the priests were starting to um, go the way of Baal. We see it here again in verse 15. And what concord hath Christ with Baal? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Do you see it? The same thing that was going on in Josiah's day. Paul is now presenting to the church at Corinth. Be careful. Don't fall into that same pattern that they fell into back then. And the reformer, the great king Josiah, came forward, of course, and uh, sent them into revival. I will dwell in them and walk with them and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore, the therefore points back. These promises, dear to beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. The perfecting holiness is living righteously, living a righteous life for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at this portion of scripture, the Corinthians were compromising with the world. So Paul appeals to them to separate themselves from that world. Uh, the way the faithful wife is to be separated unto her husband, or the way the faithful husband is to be separated unto his wife. Uh, in Josiah's day, there was a compromise by the priest, and the compromise by the priests and the prophets of Baal blended paganism and evil with that which was good. And the temple was basically closed, closed except for the pagan worship there there wasn't real worship there in god's eyes because god cannot accept that which is unrighteous the bible tells us love not the world neither things in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him and the bible tells us that we're at enmity with christ or enmity with god when we allow the extreme uh when we allow the wickedness to come in and be a part of our worship Some sincere Christians have turned separation into isolation. We've talked about this before. And we recognize that, uh, again, this particular portion of Scripture, back in 2 Kings chapter 23, 23 and 24, we can see that Josiah took care of separating themselves completely from the pagan. How could that happen? How could it happen? These folks who had the law of Moses, how could they get so involved in this pagan religion that now it was overcoming them where they were not living the way God wanted them to live. Well, it can't. And it surely will because the devil is powerful. 
Did you know that? Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But it's unfortunate that this important doctrine of separation has been misunderstood. As I said before, some sincere Christians have turned separation into isolation. In reaction to that, um, there's uh, the position uh, seems so extreme. Um, other Christians claim that Christian love needs to trump Christian separation. That there, there's never a contrary doctrine in, in God's eyes. See, they can all fit together. It is important for us to recognize that God's love is important, but also separation is important. And we need to recognize that God wants us to love him with all our hearts and with all our soul and with all our uh, might, all our minds. But the love of God can't overlook wickedness. The love of God cannot overlook evilness. The love of God cannot overlook worldliness. First John the beloved disciple, the one disciple you would not think who uh, would ever be in a uh, contrary way. He's the one that brings out the truth given to him by the Holy Spirit. Love not the world, neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This wasn't Peter, but this was John. And John, the beloved disciple, brings forth that truth. Separation from sin and separation unto God. Josiah separated himself from other kings because he followed the word of God. And he loved the Lord with all his heart. 2 Kings 23, 25. And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses. Neither after him arose there any like him. You go back to, uh, let's go back to our text just for a moment, just for a moment. In Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34, verse number 2, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. And then we see his repentive attitude in verse number 19 of the same chapter. Well, his success was because he obeyed the word, because of his righteous walk, and because of his divine work. What do you mean his divine work? It was divine, godly work. I want to tell you right now, uh, there's going to be a lot of wood, hay, and stubble in a lot of Christians' lives because they didn't spend time doing things that would profit, uh, would profit e- e- the uh, eternity. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse number 13. Every man's work. Let's go back to verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, and stubble, every man's work should be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Let's stop there for a second. 
Josiah was a man who recognized the eternal benefits of serving God. So much so that he wanted everybody in the kingdom to serve God. Divine, godly work. Josiah was a reformer but was more concerned with reverence towards God. He wanted to honor God with his entire life. He put a great emphasis on the word of God as we've looked at and also on walking righteously before God but also on worship. This was so important. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, 14 through 33, we read that God's people could have forgotten the law of Moses had it not been for Josiah to bring it out again to be read and published so that people could hear it. Written copies of scripture weren't in common in those days. The Levites or the priests were, uh, would have a copy and the king would have a copy. And so we see, and that was um, uh, in Deuteronomy 17, verse number 18. But most of the Israelites and the Judeans learned the word from the teaching of the Levites or the priest or their parents. And if their parents didn't pay attention to the priest or the Levites, then that word was watered down when it got to the kids. And that is such a sad, sad commentary. The Bible says the people of Judah were biblically illiterate in 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse number 9. They hadn't taken time to listen to the word of God and then to pass the word of God on down to their children. So the word in one generation was minimized. And as, as a result of that, there were many families who were lost and involved in pagan religion and in pagan worship instead of worshiping God. Josiah was seen as an exemplary Davidic king because he brought the word of God up to that point again where people were paying attention to it. And he got uh, the, he, he, he uh, put that with his own actions or his own walk. And then we see uh, that he uh, got involved in this divine work to let everybody see what was most important in life. And that was to live and serve the living God. You know, we, uh, we know some of our bus routes. Uh, we know that some of the kids in some of the bus routes, I mean, if you were to give them $100, they couldn't name three books in the Bible. Isn't that shame? There's some of the kids that didn't know the Christmas story. They just knew about, I remember I was shocked a couple years ago. I think it was off of your bus, wasn't it, Bill? Was it off of your bus? Uh, maybe Dwayne was telling me that there were some kids that didn't understand fully the Christmas the Christmas story. They didn't understand Mary, Virgin Mary. They didn't understand any of that. But we're living in a day where convenience has trumped uh, the, um, the commitment to the Word of God. Uh, our comfort has trumped the commitment to the Word of God. And people are running everywhere on the weekends instead of going to church and giving God an opportunity to help them in their lives. He was leading God... Uh, God's people in God's way. And in 2 Chronicles 34, 33, it says, And Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertain to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. 
The temple was now again the center of worship. People, pay attention here. The center of Josiah's revival, he cleaned it, he repaired it, and then they started worshiping in it. It was where God dwelt. Josiah uh, was pleased. The God whose name dwells in the temple was the living God, Jehovah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verses 1 through 19, the chronicle writer here uh, is uh, giving us a great picture of Josiah and his, uh, or the importance, the importance he placed upon the Passover and the importance he placed on the sacrifices to God. And um, it was all about bow the knee. Huh? Worship, bow the knee. It wasn't about entertainment. It was about Dan, bow the knee. Just like you try to get us to get our hearts ready to receive the word of God so that we bow the knee before God and pay attention to God's word and let God's word do a work in our hearts so maybe we can pass it down to our kids or our grandkids or, or maybe we can have a testimony that God can use, Keith. But bow the knee. The temple can be measured by the attention he gives to the details concerning the temple. Josiah was serious about the temple, serious about getting folks into the temple and bowing the knee. A young climber was climbing the Alps. He was making his first climb. He felt pretty confident as he had two climbing uh, instructors with him. One was in front of him and one was behind him. It was a steep, hazardous ascent. He felt secure with one guide ahead of him and one following. For hours and hours, they climbed. And now, breathless, they reached. They reached the summit. They reached the summit. They broke through a snow uh, cloud, or a cloud of snow. They broke through it, and the chief, Climber that was in front ushered the young climber up so he could be the first to see the glorious heaven and earth on the top of the summit. The young man jumped up on the top of the summit, and just as he jumped up, the chief uh, climbing instructor grabbed his foot and pulled him back down and said, On your knees, sir. On your knees. The gale winds could blow you away as quick as uh, they could blow a leaf from off a tree. You're never, exa- you're never safe except on your knees. Oh, how we need to recognize the importance of being on our knees. Of being blessed by a God who cares for us. And as I look at this portion of scripture, uh, this, this is great. It was all about the temple and it was all about Josiah's reign in a very real sense it's a prophetic picture of how someday Jesus Christ when he comes back to planet earth Jesus Christ uh, will come in all his glory and he will lead his people to worship in the temple the clean temple the cleansed temple the repaired temple 
worshiping with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In 2 Chronicles 35, 2, and he set the priest in their charge and encouraged them to the service of the house of the Lord. Josiah's love, Josiah's labor, Josiah's worship, he was truly a king that was the best of best. He honored God with his life. A man that we can say, what a testimony. But it's because he obeyed the word of God. Because he was walking righteously. And because he, he, he was a man that recognized divine work is greater than any earthly work. Some of us can remember, and I say some of us, some of us can remember back in 1963, November of 1963, when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. How many can remember that? Some of you, yeah, yeah. Some of us were getting on school buses like I was. Others were maybe uh, still in school. But uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, we can remember that time. Uh, A British novelist, David Lodge, in the introduction to one of his books, tells where he was. He was in a theater watching the performance he had helped write. In one sketch, a character demonstrated uh, his casualness in this comedy. His casualness by holding up a transistor radio. Now, how many young people don't know what a transistor radio is? How many? Yeah, well, a transistor radio back in the day was just a little radio, and it played only AM. Matter of fact, back in the day when I was like seven or eight years old, you had to have a transistor radio with two clips on it, and you had to put one clip on a ground wire. How many remember that? And that's the only way you could hear. And so anyway... uh, uh, this this guy would always, this actor would always have a real live radio station on uh, showing the casualness uh, of this uh, play, showing his casualness. And he had that transistor radio to his ear. And um, uh, suddenly came the announcement that President Kennedy had been shot. Well, that ruined the comedy, ruined the sketch. Can you imagine that, Karen? It ruined the entire presentation. He tried to quickly turn it off to a, or turn it to another station, but it was still the same. And there was a realization that they weren't in a play any longer, but this was real life. And the president had been shot. For many believers, worship, prayer, scripture is casualty. It's casual. For some, it's a casual charade, and it's a sad commentary. They don't expect any signif- anything significant to come out of it. Perhaps it's the way you came to church today. You just came because it's church. And say, instead of recognizing that God could speak to you from his word today. Well, suddenly, someday... When you go through a trial or a trouble, you'll need God. Reality will break the charade of life, the casualness of life. And you'll recognize God. But more than that, 
Suddenly, someday, Jesus may come back in our lifetime. He will come back. And he comes to earth at that time. The reality of this whole book becomes so real as Jesus, the Savior, comes back to reign on planet earth. Father, I thank you for this time you've given us today. And I thank you for the great illustration of Josiah. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we'd have some young people that would say, you know, I need to get busy and start serving God with my life. I need to start getting into the Word of God and reading my Bible and taking time to let the Word of God do a work in my heart, like the psalmist said in Psalm 1. I need to be a Christian that is obeying the Word of God and following God's Word and allowing God's Word to lead the way in my life. And Father, for others, as they heard about the righteous living, they recognize today that there's some things in their lives they could never call righteous. And Father, they need to get those things right with you. And for others, they're living like a gerbil in a cage just going around and around with really no great divine purpose for their lives. Father, might they see that life is more than just making a living. It's living for you. Father, may they start living for you in a way that would please you. And Father, their hearts would be blessed as they recognize they're pleasing a living God. Our God. Our creator. Our heavenly father. Father, give us the heart of Josiah. Help us, dear God, to go forth be to the praise of your glory in Jesus name my heads are bowed and eyes are closed and 